0: All right, let's jump in. So grab your Bible and open it to 1 Corinthians 3. And you can also grab your journal and you can follow along and you can write some notes. Great opportunity to just respond to the Lord of the Lord and then to read about what you wrote down later. How do you respond to constructive criticism? Proverbs calls it a life-giving rebuke. Where somebody comes and tells you something, and what they want is for you to be a better believer in Christ. They want you to be more like Jesus. They they want you to have life inside of you, and so they come to you and they tell you something, Uh, but how do you respond to that? Do you get defensive and lash back? Do you listen and nod your head? Uh Uh-huh, yep, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, and then you ignore what they said? Do you take it really personally, and maybe you cry, and you get hurt, and you think that that person was trying to be rude to you or mean to you, when what they really wanted was what was best for you? Or do you hear the words that are said and change so you can grow and mature in Christ? Today, we're going to look at a section of verses that are going to sound like constructive criticism. They're going to sound like a life-giving rebuke, but that is Paul's intention. That is exactly what he's trying to do. He's trying to shake our world up a little bit, and he's trying to help us to see why the Holy Spirit is so important. So I want to encourage you this morning. Would you, would you do something for me? Would you open your heart? Open your mind. Open your spirit to God's word. Listen to what it says so that you can grow, so that you can change, so that you can be more like Jesus. See, Paul is going to make it clear that growing means changing. Growing means changing. Now, everything in the world changes. Everything that's healthy, anyway. Everything that's healthy grows, and everything that grows changes. Let me give you an illustration from right here in eastern Washington. Right here in eastern Washington, we have something that grows and changes, don't we? Agriculture. In particular, wheat. But in the spring, in the early springtime, the fields around Chini they just look like a dirt field. But then the farmer comes along and he puts a little tiny seed in that field. It starts as a seed, but it doesn't stay a seed. The spring rains come and that seed begins to grow. It begins to change. And then what we begin to see in an entire field, we begin to see little green shoots coming up. And then that field changes because as the rains come, that stalk begins to grow. And pretty soon those stalks are about two feet high. And now that field that looked kind of dusty and gray and brown and kind of ugly is now this beautiful green field and as the wind blows it looks like the ocean and waves and it's just this beautiful green field because it grew and it changed and then that stock grows a head on it and that head is the wheat and then after a little more time rains go away begins to get hot in the summer and that field begins to change all over again doesn't it it turns from green to brown or to tan and then that wheat is all ready to be harvested and the farmer comes along and harvests it and it ends up bread on our table now let me ask a question what would the farmer say if those little green shoots never came up? I mean, he put the seed in the ground and the rain came, but for months, no little green shoot. He would say, something's wrong with my wheat. What if the little shoot came up, but it never grew a stalk? It just never grew anymore. The farmer would say, something's wrong with my wheat what if the stock grew but the head never grew he'd say something's wrong with my wheat i think you get i think you get the story i wonder if sometimes the holy spirit would say of us and that's what the apostle paul is going to say this morning something's wrong with your faith because it's not growing it's not changing Everywhere we look in God's creation, all the animals, the plants, the sea creatures, insects, everything is growing and changing. This is also true of our faith in Jesus. If we are growing in Christ, then that means we will change. Now, I think this is important because the world needs authentic believers in Jesus, modeling A life of truth and love. Believers that grow and change. Believers that are hot. You hot? Look at your neighbor and say, hey, you're hot. Go ahead. If you're married, this could just hold on to it, okay? Chill out, man. You can go home a little later. It's all right. Hot stands for humble, open and teachable it does not stand for hypocritical offensive and troublesome but it seems like today many of us think hot stands for hypocritical offensive and troublesome but god calls us to be humble and open and teachable and when we are humble open and teachable we will grow and we will change now The church in Corinth in chapter 3 had forgotten that. (laughs) They'd forgotten to grow. They'd forgotten to change. They had forgotten that the most important thing in their life was to be like Christ and to let the Holy Spirit change them and help them grow. And so Paul gives the church right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 a very constructive criticism a life-giving rebuke. And I'd like us to look at it as well because I think we can learn a lot from it. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation this morning. Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. For you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food of more advanced teaching. Because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready for solid food. For you are living your lives dominated By the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your lives centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. For when you divide yourselves in groups, a Paul group and an Apollos group, you are acting like people, and then this important phrase, without the Spirit's influence. Now, I would say that sounds like a good dose of constructive criticism, wouldn't you? (laughs) I mean, he says they're still spiritually immature. He says their lives are centered on themselves, not Jesus. He says they're allowing themselves to be divided instead of united. I would say he sounds maybe even a little disappointed. He's disappointed because he's not seen growth and change. They're stuck. And they're still stuck. They were stuck before they knew Christ. But then they came to know Christ, but they're they're staying stuck. They're not moving on. They're not growing. They're not changing. They're not maturing in their faith. They're not allowing the maturity to take place. Now, here's what we know. Spiritual maturity is about influence. Hear me. Spiritual maturity is about influence. So let me ask you a question. Who or what is influencing you? Who or what is influencing you? Because the reality is this. Someone or something is influencing you in a big or a little way. That's just true. All around us, we have influencers. But the New Testament is very clear and always encourages us To be influenced by the Holy Spirit. In this section, Paul is struggling. He's struggling because he's noticing that the church is without the Spirit's influence. It's living without the Spirit's influence. They're living on their own, in their own decisions, in their own selfishness, and they they haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and fully change their life. Now what's interesting is Paul Paul has a term. He has a term that he used to describe why we get stuck in bad influence. Influences other than the Holy Spirit. And here's the term that he used. Dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And he used the term three times. Three times in four verses. Now let me just give you a piece of biblical theological understanding. Whenever you see a term, a word, or a phrase used three times in four verses, it's important. (laughs) It's huge. It might change your life completely if you believed and understood that section of Scripture and what it was saying. And here's what Paul's saying. If you and I are going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, then we cannot be dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Now, what does that mean? It means I can't be dominated by my selfishness, by my own feelings, by my own desires. And then Paul goes on, And he asks the church a couple questions. He actually asks them to ask the questions to themselves. So I'm gonna do that with us. I'm gonna ask you to ask these three questions of yourself right now. Here's the first one Are you jealous? Are you jealous? Are you jealous of someone or something? Now, this is important because this is about worth. This is about your worth in Christ. If you know who you are and you know how much Jesus loves you and you know that your worth is found and understood by the cross, that that's how much Jesus loves you, you don't have to be jealous about anything. There's nothing to be jealous of. Because you understand, I am worth God's very life. It's about worth. The second one. Do you compare yourself to someone else? Do you compare yourself to someone else? This is about identity. When we don't know our identity in Christ, we always compare ourselves. We always look for something else in someone else Instead of saying, I don't need anyone or anything else because God loves me just the way I am. And I am perfectly content in my skin, in who I am because God made me and created me, knit me together in my mother's womb and he broke the mold when I came out. I am a child of the living God and of the King of Kings. I am in Christ. That is my identity and I don't need to compare myself to anyone else because I love me. Can you look in the mirror and say, I like that person. I love that person. That's identity. And third, do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? (laughs) Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? At the deepest level, this is actually greed. I want what I want. (laughs) And I will argue and I will quarrel until I get it. Because I want what I want. And I'll take up a side that always agrees with me. (laughs) I won't look at the other side. I won't do a good study. I'll, I'll... I'll only believe people and things that agree with me because I want what I want. That's selfishness. But when, what, we, what happens in the body of Christ and with the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we do that, we exclude about, oh, six billion people on the planet that need to know Jesus. We exclude them because we only take our side. These are are really, really important questions to help us determine if we are being dominated by our selfishness. Am I jealous of someone? Do I compare myself to someone? Do I quarrel and take up sides? Now this phrase is a good reminder. It's a really good reminder of something the Apostle Paul talks about a lot. And that is that the way we think affects the way we live. What we think, what we believe, the philosophies rolling around in your head, whether God's word is in your mind or the world's philosophy is in your mind, it affects everything about who you are and how you live. Now, that's what the people of Corinth were dealing with in their own way. They had their own culture, their own system, their own city, their own false gods, their own economy, their own marketing their own temptations, all of that was coming against them just like us today. Just how so much of our lives today is the world attempting to dominate our minds with products that distract us from Jesus and lifestyles that don't honor the Lord. Now that creates a challenge. It creates a spiritual battle. And if you and I don't win that battle, we will become dominated by our selfishness. But if like what Karen shared this morning, if we stand still and let the Lord do the fighting for us and let the Holy Spirit do the fighting for us, he will do that fighting for us, even in the middle of temptation, if we trust in him and surrender to him. See, our sin nature is nothing new. (laughs) There's nothing new under the sun, especially when it comes to our sin nature. It will always tempt us and encourage us to grab for whatever I want, (laughs) whatever you want. So, what should we do? Grow and change, grow in the Spirit and let Him change your thinking. Now, one of the best verses about this is another one that Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where he said something absolutely critical to our thinking. He said this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Whew, that's a good verse. Let me read it to you from the Passion Translation. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation Of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Now, this verse is clear that we need to grow and change. In fact, the key word in this. One of the key words, there's lots of keywords here, but one of the keywords is this word transformed. And transformed does not mean lazy boy, it does not mean lazy boy, remote control, Pepsi Cola. That is not transformed, that is comfortable. And when I'm comfortable, I will do nothing. Transformed means change means I'm growing, I'm changing. Transformation is caterpillar to butterfly. Transformation is Seahawk fan to 49er fan. We're talking about understanding life in a better way. A whole new way that will transform your thinking and your mind and give you a better outlook on life. Winner. It also declares... What needs to change? Our mind. Our mind. Our thinking. We must renew our mind. Because when we renew our mind, everything else will follow suit. When we enter into this transformation process with the Holy Spirit, here's the best part. You ready for the best part? When we enter into this transformation process and when we begin to renew our mind, this verse says, get this, in the present, then you will be able to know God's will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Have you ever said, I just want to know God's will in this situation? I think we all say that, don't we? We actually can live there all the time but it requires growing and changing and letting the Lord completely transform my mind. Let me give you an example of this. How many of you remember the old phrase, maybe they're still using it, but the old phrase, stop, drop, and roll? You remember. This is that little helpful phrase to help us avoid catching on fire, right? Stop, drop, and roll. This is how you avoid the danger of fire. This is how you rescue yourself when fire is attacking you. You stop, drop, and roll. Can I uh, submit to you this morning that that's exactly what Romans 12, 2 is declaring? Let me show you. First of all, stop conforming and imitating. Stop conforming and imitating the world. This is repentance. So we stop living the world's way and start living God's way. The world, as you know, has a way of thinking. And there are philosophies that we learned in school and that we see in culture and that we learn in culture are influencing us from culture And they don't encourage us to live for Jesus, and we need to stop believing them. We have to stop thinking the world's way and start thinking the way the Spirit wants us to. We have to live in the Spirit's influence. In order to live in the Spirit's influence, we will have to stop conforming and imitating. Sec, second, drop. Drop your will. Drop your will. If I'm going to live in God's will, then that means I've got to drop my own. And I've got to leave it at the foot of the cross. And then third, I've got to roll towards God's will for my life. Now, it's interesting. The word roll means to move. It means to move in a direction. It means you're not stagnant. So I'm going to encourage you, move into all that God has for you. Move into his will for your life, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Grow and change and honor the Lord with your life and fulfill his mission. Discover your spiritual gift and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you each day of the week. See, what Jesus has called us to do after he set us free from the cross and the resurrection We've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and this means that we can, every single day, every single moment of every single day, we can live in the Spirit's influence. The Spirit's influence. Now, this is the difference between a mature believer and an immature believer. This is the difference between a follower of Christ and someone who's a pre Christian, getting ready to follow Christ, right? This is the difference the Spirit's influence. So I want to encourage you, let the Spirit influence your life. Don't let the world influence your life. Don't let culture influence you. Let the Spirit influence you. Let God's Word influence you. Now, listen to this definition. Actually, it's going to go on the screen because it's an important definition. Look at the definition of influence. The definition of influence is this the capacity or power of persons or things to be a compelling force on or produce effects on the actions, behavior, opinions, etc., of others. Wow. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. Does the Holy Spirit have power? Yeah, he's God himself. So the Holy Spirit should be the capacity and the power that I am living in. He should be my compelling force, influencing our actions, behaviors, and opinions. Now, opinions, that's a big one. Are there any opinions today? Whoa, Lord Almighty. I feel like we're swimming in the deep end of opinion right now, and we're all drowning in it, aren't we? (laughs) As we head towards a presidential election, I think the opinions will get even worse. Now, this implies strongly that the Holy Spirit helps us grow and change. He helps us know how we should act in the world. He helps us change our behavior so that Jesus is seen in our lives, not ourselves. He helps us know the truth from God's perspective so that we always give God's opinion, not our own. Jesus talked several times about how important the Spirit's influence would be in our life. In John chapter 14, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be our helper, that he would be with us forever, that he would teach us all things and remind us what Jesus said so we could live in it. In John chapter 16, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. He would tell us what is yet to come and he would also glorify Jesus in everything. Boy, that's what we need, isn't it? Someone that will help us, help us with our actions and our words and help us glorify Jesus all the time. That's what the Spirit's influence does. And then right before Jesus left, he died on the cross, he rose again, he's getting to ascend into heaven. He tells them one more thing about the Holy Spirit. And that is that the Holy Spirit would empower you to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The last thing Jesus told us was that the Holy Spirit is your power, is your compelling force, is your strength, is your help, is your truth, is your guide, is your helper with your behavior, with your actions, with your opinions. See, living in the influence of the Spirit helps us mature as believers. It helps us understand that growing means changing. When our life is dominated by the Spirit, We aren't jealous. We know who we are. We're content in all situations. We don't compare ourselves to others because our identity is in Christ, and we know it, and nothing can shake us from it. We don't quarrel because we know that quarreling doesn't lead to anything good. We don't need to take a side except the side of Jesus. I was recently asked if someone that I knew personally was a maturing Christian. That was the question. Is this person a maturing Christian? And I said, yes. And they asked me, How do you know? And I said, Because I know this person well, and this person is growing and changing. I'm assuming the person went, huh, huh, interesting. See, I think there's something in our mind, in our head, that we think spiritual maturity is getting to a place where I've arrived, where I've memorized enough scripture, where I know enough theology, where I worship really well, and where sin doesn't dominate my life. That's not actually spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is always, every single day, living in a state of growing and changing. Spiritual maturity is every day I need God's word to help me grow and help me change and help me with my opinions and my behavior. Spiritual maturity is every single day as I go to work today, Man, I need the Holy Spirit to go with me. So I'm going to pray before I go into work today. Spiritual maturity is my child during COVID-19 while they are home with me is driving me insane. And I might start spanking a whole lot more if the Holy Spirit does not help me. So Lord, help me be a good parent. Help me discipline my children with love and dignity and help me to train them, not just discipline them, but train them, love them, empower them, help them learn how to make good decisions, not just make a black and white world. There will never be a time, hear me, There will never be a time in your lifetime or mine and in all of the entire world's time where we will have it figured out. That will never happen. We will never completely understand God. He's too big. There will never be a time when you know everything. See, true spiritual maturity is a lifestyle of growing and changing to be more like Jesus every day. Now these verses are clear that growing means changing. So this is the challenge set before us. This is what we are called to do. We are called to grow and change, to be spiritually mature people. And I hope it's my hope that you want to grow and change. I hope you desire this. I hope you want to grow and change because the world needs you. The world needs you to live like Jesus in front of it so that they can see Jesus in you. So we need spiritually mature believers that are growing in Christ, that are hot, humble and open and teachable. The world needs authentic believers in this time, in this generation, right now, that know how to live a life full of truth and love. My, the last thing I want to do this morning is give you a homework assignment. <laughs> I don't come to church to get homework. Well, today's different. I want to give you a homework assignment. It's fairly simple. All I want you to do is ask yourself a question this week. So here's the question. You can write it down in your journal. It's very simple. Ask the Holy Spirit this question for yourself. What would you like me to change in my life? What would you like me to change in my life? I think this is a very important question, and each of us needs it. Now, you may say, Pastor Mark, I'm gonna listen to the Holy Spirit well, but maybe you wanna take it a step further. Maybe you could ask someone that you trust a similar question. Do you see anything in my life that I should change to be like Jesus? Right, let's ask ourselves this important question this week. What would you like me to change in my life? All right, would you stand with me this morning? All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives and thank you for the cross. We recognize that the cross and the resurrection is the reason that we have the Spirit. It's the ultimate and complete and total forgiveness of the cross of all of my sin, past, present, and future, that allows the Holy Spirit to reside and live in me. And so Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for setting us up for success. And Holy Spirit, we just ask right now that you would help each of us. Each of us in this room and each of us watching live or watching later. Help us to live in the Spirit's influence. Help us to be dominated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to stop conforming to this world, to drop our will, and to roll into the will of God for our life. Jesus, would you help us to be the authentic believers that this world needs. And if there's someone in this room or maybe you're watching live today or you might watch a little bit later and you would like that, you say, I I want what you're talking about. I want the peace and the hope and the salvation of Jesus to be evident in my life. And that's exactly what you need. I'm gonna encourage you. Would you open your heart to Jesus? Would you believe in Jesus Christ for the first time? Say yes to him and to begin to transform your heart and your life and your mind. But the beginning step of that is believing in Jesus. And it's really simple. All you have to do is say a quick prayer. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I recognize I'm a sinner and I need to change my life and I give you my entire life and I believe in you. I confess my sin to you, and would you pour your Holy Spirit into my life? If you said that prayer, that's the moment that you become a Christian, a believer in Christ. I hope you've done that today. I hope you've done it in the past. Those of us that have done that in the past, I want to pray that you would help us, Lord, to live for you. Help us to be people that are full of the truth and love in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said, amen. 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 Well, thanks for coming. Good to see you this morning. Those of you that are watching us live, thanks for joining us. We'll see you later. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.